podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Ilya Marchenko. I'm Dennis Kudler. I'm Jesper de Jong. I'm Henry Laksa. I am Francisco Segundolo. And you are listening to the Game to Love podcast. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Monte Carlo is upon us, and it is the return of Novak Djokovic. Not really the king when it comes to Monte Carlo, but he's back on the court. He's back with a win and he'll be happy to get through the very tough qualifier, which was Ivan Gakov. And some people around the Twitter sphere have been talking about his similarity <laughs> to a one Mr. Nadal. Would you agree here, JG? Mate, I was creasing. I was <laughs> laughing so hard. Uh, fair play to Ivan Gakov. I thought he actually played some good tennis, did really well to qualify Brilliant. and get to Monte Carlo. But yeah, like you said, he looked a little bit like the B-Tech Rafael Nadal. He was dressed like him. He was sliding around like him. There was a brilliant shot at the net where he sort of passed Djokovic and we saw the Vamoses coming out from him. So <laughs> it was just very, it was a very surreal moment. It felt like Rafa was there in his body for a moment, but didn't get much further than Novak Djokovic. He dispatched him straight sets. First set wasn't great from Djokovic. He got better. Um, but let's be honest, he's never going to lose to to Gakov at all. And another note, I'm actually really happy to be here talking about Monte Carlo. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us in the live chat. We've got Ardalin. Uh, shout out hey. to you. King of Justin as well. And Freya. And I think this podcast is long overdue because... We need to start doing these more often because I think there's a lot of tennis to be talking to, to talk about, especially with Roland Garros right around the corner. Yes, most definitely. And, uh, well, I'll, I'll say it now rather than say it even at the end. Uh, we will be bringing out some new content very, very soon on the channel, which will be a countdown to Roland Garros weekly podcast that we will be bringing out. And hopefully you all enjoy that. We'll be going through lots of different uh, stats and facts and form guides and all sorts of things, history, everything leading up to this next Roland Garros, which could be potentially the biggest Roland Garros in history. It's 2023. There's two players who could reach number 23. I just hope one of them gets it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I just, I'm hoping that the draw is kind and we get Rafa on one side, Djokovic on the other, with the big final of them going for 23. But long way to go. Let's focus yeah, yeah. on Monte Carlo. These are some of the results from Monte Carlo. Let's just go straight down to Djokovic and speak about that match first, uh, because I guess that is what a lot of people want us to talk about, since as it is in the title and he has returned to tennis. And like we said, it was rather comfortable, straight sets. Did you ever think he was going to lose? No, but I did think that it would be a test, um, the first set Don't for lie, sure. Then. I thought that the Don't first set... Don't lie. Don't lie. The... Come on in and tell the truth. You genuinely thought Gakov was going to test Djokovic. I What's wrong with first... you? You're just, you're just playing it down. You're, you're typical no, no, Djokovic no, fan. No, no. Playing it down. Oh, it's going to be a test for him. That's not a test. 
Djokovic no, could have won that match with one arm. I thought that the reason that I thought it would be a test is because Gakov came through qualifying and actually beat really good players in qualifying and he'd been warmed up in clay court matches ready for this one. So the first set was always going to be interesting because Djokovic was going to have to knock the rust off, dust off the cobwebs, whatever you call it, in that first set. And you saw he went down the break and he had to adjust. And maybe last year he wouldn't have adjusted and he might may have lost that first set. But you see him being on the clay courts already and already having a little bit more time to practice. He quickly turned it around. And I think Gakov was playing really well. He was had drop shots in there. And that inside-out forehand, his Raffer-esque forehand <laughs> that he kept on whipping down the line, that one, it's good preparation, I think, because if he's going to be playing Raffer maybe sometime soon, uh, Djokovic, that may have given him a little bit of a taster of what's to come. But he's playing... Ben, he looked like Rafa. He didn't play like Rafa. This a Gakov. little, a few shots. Just because he was wearing a headband like... and he was sliding around a little bit like Rafa, doesn't mean he was playing. He made the like same him. noise as Rafa. Okay, even. Ben just come out on the podcast and said Ivan Gakov is good preparation for Djokovic if he's to play Rafa on the Dow at Roland Garros. <laughs> and this is my co-host, ladies and gentlemen, Ben of Game to Love. This is what I have to put up with. Shambles. Complete. He was playing out of his skin today in that first set. I thought he played really well, and I thought he hit a lot of good winners. They were any player wouldn't have been able to return those winners. So when you play like that on a tennis court, I think it's good preparation because if Djokovic having to run side to side, back, front, the drop shots, everything, he was having to cover the whole court, and then eventually. He worked it out and then he started to play his game. He started to become the better player. The errors start to come in on the other side, which doesn't happen with the likes of Rafael Nadal so much. That's where the difference is, obviously. Like you can play that level, but you can't play it for the whole match. And Djokovic... I mean, there's only small differences, like you say. Gakov, Nadal, not much in it. <laughs> Skatov. Here and there. Nadal. Um... <laughs> <laughs> similar players but, all of these it would be, well if I'm being totally honest I don't know about you uh, I never thought the second best player of all time on the clay would lose uh, here at Monte Carlo no. in the opening round and that's exactly what he did but it wasn't the opening round was it Ben because uh, didn't he have a See bye, a bye. Yeah. he had a bye so it's the second round which means that the seeded players who had buys are now into the third round when everyone's still playing the second round. Yeah, it's a bit crazy the way things are working. We obviously have Tsitsipas, uh, who we were worried about the injury, and uh, he didn't even have to play any more than five games. As you can see here, Benjamin Bonzi uh, retiring from the match after five games, and Tsitsipas was up 4-1. He'll be happy not having to put his body under any more stress than he needed. He's got a nice easy draw down the bottom half already. And now he's even more well-rested. So I think this couldn't work out any better for Stefanos Tsitsipas. And looking for that third Monte Carlo Masters in a row, I think it, he'll be very happy right now. Well, he's there. had the luck of the draw with the draw. And he's yep. only been handed another favour with Bonzi retiring so early. Um, yep. Before we go on to other matches, just go back to the Djokovic one. And if you can sure. bring up the Bastion Facken tweet sure my favorite i love calling him the facken um we always do it on the news videos and this is the one so yeah that is one? that one so, yeah yep. so another proof that andre rublev has a heart of gold and you're thinking is this about rublev no it isn't 
It is about Ivan Gokov because he played in the clothes from the 2022 Nightline, uh, but he's not sponsored by Nike. In <laughs> fact, it was Rublev's who started his own brand in 2023, and he gave Gakov his unused clothes to support his career. So I thought it was a really nice story there. You can see on the left-hand side, that is Rublev with Korda. And the outfit he gave to Gakov is the one Korda's wearing, which is the other set which he was given from Nike. But now with his own sponsor, the Nike ones he's not allowed to wear, so he's given them all to Gakov. And I think that's a really nice touch. I I heard I, somewhere as well that he was supporting him like financially in some of his endeavors as well, Gakov, because obviously being lower ranked, being on like the challenger tour, that type of thing is really tough. Obviously we had COVID and I think Andre Rublev did really help him out during that, the period of the last few years. So what a, what a nice guy Andre Rublev is. We know how much he loves tennis and he would never like to see somebody's dream uh, come to an end due to that type of thing. And, reaching out and helping out fair play to him so uh andre rublev showing his colors and did not announcing it himself other people doing it for him so he gets the pat on the back and he's not really looking for any uh well he's not looking for it for himself so that's good yeah he's a humble guy extremely likable rublev and he was in action today maybe we'll go there next and he was able to win his match it wasn't convincing it was a challenge i believe it was three sets against munar but he got through it in the end and it was quite comfortable. I think that was the match just before the Djokovic one because I believe it was yep. on the same court. And Rublev, is he in the same section as Djokovic? I think he's right up there with Novak Djokovic. No, he's down the bottom half with so, Sissipas. Sorry, he's with Sissipas. So yep. Apologies. Yeah, so he's with Sissipas. And tying this in nicely, actually, with Sissipas, we're talking how he's been very, very lucky. I know he's carrying an injury at the moment, but his draw's not too bad. And he's not had to play really today with Bonzi retiring. Rublev, who's had to play a longer match, may that actually help Rublev in the long run with Steph not fully adapted and warm to the clay. Rublev, he's had to play his best tennis and get warm. If them two meet, there's always they're always extremely close when them two play. I kind of favour Rublev right now. Maybe I'm crazy because we know Steph loves Monte Carlo and he yeah. certainly loves the clay as well. And maybe if you go to the tweet where he talks about that. Who was it who spoke about that? Steph. Right. It is We Are Tennis. Okay, that's no problem. So this is what he had to say. <laughs> he said, it's super fast. You don't construct anything on clay. Go ahead Find a nice tactic, good angles. The clay is like an artist canvas. You can you can paint on it. It's all in its beauty. The purest form of tennis is played on red clay. Yeah, and he's quite clearly shown that. His only masters have come on clay. His Grand Slam final first one on clay. Uh, the closest he ever came to winning the Grand Slam. Obviously, he keeps coming up against Novak Djokovic. So, what can you do? I think that he's he's destined to win at least one Roland Garros in his in his career. Once these big boys have gone, even maybe while they're still around, who knows? If he gets what, the you think, yeah, but, Will he be able to beat Alcaraz in the Grand Slam? 
It's a it's one it's a real bogey player for him, but he's a bogey player in general, and I think Alcaraz yeah. only going to get better. Steph's going to be in trouble in his career with Alcaraz lurking around. Maybe and the injuries. All, these wild players like a Rune or I don't know Berrettini. Maybe can I pick no, him up no, yet, or is it too soon? Stop that! Stop that! <laughs> Pipe down <laughs> with that. The clay is like an artist canvas. I know what he means by this because obviously on a clay court, you hit a few more balls. You're trying to construct a point. It's all about the angles you use and the tactics and the, I believe, endurance. perseverance. Yeah, and, and endurance in a rally. It begs the question, shouldn't you be very good on clay? You're an artistic guy. You're a very creative guy. Why don't when you get on the court, we see your creative flair on a tennis court? It's a good point, really. I mean, I just you'd think the clay would be your, you'd think the clay would be your best surface because maybe you it just will use be the angles, on. be very creative with it. And I'm really excited to see. Well, we could be playing on a clay court in the coming weeks. I'm really excited to see if this comes to the forefront and we see some of this artistic tennis from you. I hope so. I really hope that there is... Just to an... clarify, artistic, not autistic. There might be a bit of both, <laughs> to be honest, coming out on the tennis court. Um, I'm not. I'm no good at keeping the score, so I don't think it's uh, the, the latter. So I always lose track of that. Um, I wish I had a good backhand. Um, I think I need to master the drop shot. That's another thing that I need to learn off old Alcalaz as well on the clay. But I'd just like to have a, a long endurance rally that I come out the on top of against you. I think that would be a real winner for me. That was how I'd really get like a, a, a positive mental attitude in a match if I was to win long rallies. Because those ultimately on clay are the ones which they either make or break you. You lose like a really long game and I'm a broken man after that type of game. <laughs> That's the problem. Yeah, Gary's so, in. Let's hey. see what GSO has to say. I think, I, th I think a lot of grass court devotees would argue with Steph about clay. I think many over -roman romanticize uh, the yep. clay sometimes, but I do see the beauty of it some of the time. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's positives to all of them. Like, that yeah, but don't everybody the has their Ben. I everybody, know, everybody has do their favorite. Do you think he's overdoing it about the clay? And do you agree with Gary? Do you think maybe the grass court is the most purest form of tennis? Mm, I know what he means, though, because I think he means just with like sh shot making, with strokes and this type of thing, you probably would get it because you get more rallies on clay. Whereas with grass, you could probably just see a load of serves just bombing down. So I get where he's coming from. Typical Djokovic fan. I feel, listen, this is my opinion on it. I think all the Djokovic fans love the grass. I think all the Rafael and the Dow fans think the clay is the purest form. So we're never going to agree. And I think it's backed up there with Ardell. He's a big Djokovic fan. Well said. I think he probably likes the grass. You love the grass, certainly. I'm Rafa till I die. And for me, clay is the best surface in the sport. If they could only play on clay, I wouldn't mind. It sort of nullifies like one of the big skills in tennis, which is serving, though. So it's sort of... that's That is one thing... If you're really good at serving, then it's sad for you because maybe only the likes of Madrid is where you're going to get your best results if you're a good server. And that's the only problem because you are negating like some players 
skills lay in different places. And if you're an all-round player, that's why it's good to have all these different surfaces. But I do like to see rallies and I do like to see a grueling rally as well. And if we were to say what was probably the best match we've watched in recent years, it was probably Nadal Djokovic in that crazy one, which were... And Djokovic even won the match, but it was still the highest level we've seen probably on a tennis court in the past five, six years or so. Definitely. We've got Ardalyn again saying it's about the history and heritage of the game on grass for me. Okay, that's fair enough. And Merle's in. Another member said, I can't choose. I want Djokovic to win the Canada Slam. M's going, there's not enough grass for me in the year to love it. Yeah, that's a good point as well. Very good point. No masters on grass either. So yeah. we're always calling for one, but maybe yeah, one where day. They, where are they going to add it in? I mean, not in England, probably. It's uh rains for half of the summer anyway. So maybe that's why. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next one. Should we move on to obviously we're talking about Djokovic there. Should we move on to some of the Djokovic's back in business stuff? That's yeah, what why not? the podcast was about to start with. We sort of skipped past Mr. Djokovic and he is back to business. And uh, obviously we spoke about the win now 16 and one in 2023 and his 300th match win on clay courts at all levels. Next is either Musetti or Nardi. So one Italian gets that joy in the next round. Two young Italians I love. I've got Massetti in my top 10 this year. I've called Nardi as my qualifier to watch. And I think I had him going for a few rounds in the draw preview. 19 years old, Luca Nardi. Very fortunate with the draw. Uh, quite fortunate to get through qualifying, in fact. I think he was down 5-1 and come back and won the, won the match. Um, but he's here. Quality player. One for the future. No problem for Djokovic, though. He's the gr second Best, the second greatest player on clay courts to ever play the game. I strongly yes. believe that. And I think Djokovic is going to be a little bit too much for either of them. Massetti will be quaking in his boots at the thought of playing Djokovic. Could even take the first set and then get double bageled in the next. Good result from Massetti, though, in his match against Ketsmanovic. Managed to bagel him. Ketsmanovic may have been a bit tired from reaching the final of a tournament in the last tournament, but... Still, that's a really good result from Musetti. And plus, we are playing only three-set matches at the moment. And we remember he did have some big results in three-set matches earlier on in his career, Musetti. So, and they wasn't it uh, Rome as well? So, and other Masters yep, events. Sorry, yeah. So, this could be could be interesting. You never know. He, didn't he take? He took the first two sets from Djokovic at Roland Garros as well. So, yep. he does have that. He has won two sets in a row against Djokovic before. <laughs> So that could be his driving force. We'll, we'll wait and see because he's got to get past Nardi first and that's not an easy one anyway. But this next one was um, obviously about Djokovic as well, just saying a gutsy win. And this is what I was sort of alluding to on the thumbnail of the of the podcast, just sort of saying that he's, he's warming up. And I didn't want to put warming up because people go like, he's not warming up, he's playing a match. No, yeah, he's... I feel that he was getting the cobwebs off in that first set. And I feel that the last time we saw him at Monte Carlo, it took him a lot longer. And he looked he looked much worse last year, let's be fair, than he did in this first match. And I thought that by the second set, it looks like he's 
starting to get towards a high level already. That's great after one match on clay. So next round, be be wary. <laughs> I think he's going to oh, be let, getting better. Let's hear what he had to say about it. So let's go down. And there we go. You didn't know that I was there, did you, Ben? I didn't. Always surprised. Uh, and this is what Djokovic had to say. It was probably, you can call it this way, an ugly tennis win for me today. I haven't played my best, particularly in the first set. I kind of expected that's that that's going to happen in a way with swirly conditions, a lot of wind today. So he was mentioning the conditions, he was mentioning the wind, and he said, wasn't, wasn't my best tennis, but I'll take it. It's my first match back, and... All in all, I don't think it was that bad. No, I think he's just happy to go through straight sets. Nice. Uh, and if anything, I sometimes feel that Djokovic needs a bit of a test. Like Likes a little bit of a test here and there, just because he's able to run around a little bit and get his uh, foot in on the clay courts. So, right. Right, so next up, let's have a little look. Uh, While you're doing that, we've got King of Justin saying, do you want a Napoli jersey instead? Yeah, I can see <laughs> Napoli doing extremely well uh, in Serie A, but I'm repping the Inter at the moment. I think they won today as well. But yeah, we spoke about this. Luca Nardi's first uh, win in a Masters. Congratulations to him. Could be playing Djokovic next. Bit fortunate with who he got pitted against, but... It was the local, wasn't it? Uh, there's always one we'll in Monte Carlo. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you get as long as you get the win. Right, so next one up is Luigi Gatto. And this one, quite an interesting one as well. I'm sure you'd love to read this one off as it's your man. Well, this is not really related to anything that's happened today, but I thought it would be a nice one to have at the end, but we'll do it now. And it is, on this day in 2005, an 18-year-old Rafael Nadal defeated Gaumon Monfisi in Monte Carlo first round. So that was, how many years ago was 2005? 18. 18 years ago. Gosh. Yeah, Yeah. of course. He's 36. So 18 years ago, Rafael Nadal (laughs) defeated Gaumon Monfisi. Um, and he then won his next 80 matches on clay until <laughs> May 2007. <laughs> it remains the single greatest streak on a surface in men's tennis history. And since we're talking about Monte Carlo, I think it's important to remember this. What Rafael Nadal has done at this event will never be matched by anyone. He is the real missing part for me of this Monte Carlo. I'm so sad we are coming to the end of Rafael Nadal's reign as a tennis player and as a guy right at the top, especially on these clay courts. If he misses the Australian Open, Indian Wells, any of them other, Miami, all of the other events in and around, it's sad, but it's not the same. Seeing him miss a Monte Carlo, seeing him miss a Barcelona, a Rome, yeah. a Roland Garros, that one, they're, they're the ones that really hurt. You don't want to see him missing them events. He dominated, dominated them. For this long period of time, and even uh, 10 years after this, even now we're going into Roland Garros, and it's hard to look past him winning another title. And it's going to be just so devastating when he does hang up his racket and retire, because what he's been able to do in this sport, particularly on the clay courts, will never be matched. Big question is... Will Federer come back to play doubles with him to end his career? <laughs> That'd be interesting. Obviously, no, but he may he may even play doubles with um, 
Djokovic, Labour Cup, but I don't think he'll end at Labour Cup. No. I feel uh, a lot of people were talking about the Olympics, maybe, as his sort of bow out at, at Roland Garros in Paris, 2024. And I know that you were obviously speaking about him being the greatest, and I know that you sent me this one as well for the second greatest, uh, just to have a look at some of Djokovic's one uh, results on clay, which are pretty ridiculous, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> it's got so many titles. Look at that. I mean, Rome, obviously, his favourite there, then Madrid. He's Rome. got so many, but you'd have, to, you'd have to ask yourself, if Rafa just wasn't, wasn't there, how many would he have? <laughs> yeah, I mean... I know you can't say that. It's a silly, yeah. silly... I'm posing a silly question, but he's won all these ones on clay, but it's not that many for Djokovic. It just goes to show how good he is. Rafa yeah. stole so many away from him. That's how it feels to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've said the same about Andy Murray so many times. If the, if him and uh, <laughs> if those three weren't there, then Murray would probably be the greatest player ever. But you can't look at life like that. Unfortunately, there are three incredible players right there in front of you. If you can't beat them, then you're not going to be considered uh, one of the greatest. So yeah, and as Elliot as Elliot says in the live chat, crazy how Monte Carlo is on paper Novak's worst Masters. Despite that, he's yeah. favourite to win this one. And I think not many people can stop him. Maybe Steph at the bottom. Let's see how he plays. But I think Djokovic is really looking good to win this Monte Carlo. That's how I feel. Well, I feel like Steph, if, he's, if that injury isn't too bad, he's a force to be reckoned with. I feel he has a lot of confidence at this event. I said it a lot in the draw preview. I feel that this is one... He, he won't be in his own head as much. He's like at home on that court, almost like he plays like a different style. It's like he becomes like world number one in his own head in Monte Carlo, I feel. But yeah, anyway, we've got GSL also saying the most amazing thing about Novak's clay record is that every single win was during the Rafa era. I agree. You look at all of these wins, he did these while Rafa was still playing the game. Granted, some yeah. of them he wasn't in the tournament or he was injured. He was still an active tennis player who could have potentially played them events. And sometimes he did and lost out to Djokovic. So I think that makes it even more of a, an amazing achievement to win this amount of titles in an era where Rafael Nadal played on clay. Definitely. Especially not many people can say they have two Roland Garros titles in this era. Uh, nobody can, in fact. So... That's a pretty incredible one just on its own. Like, I, I bet he just would love to get a third one. That is the one that I swear that he's going to want the most, the third role on Garrison. Like now that Rafa has two Australian Opens, he must want to get a third role on Garros just to say, like, I've got three of your one now and you've got two of mine. It's almost like they own the, those Grand Slams a little bit. They're just, uh, they want to have the upper hand in any small, minute detail. So if you move back to the results, we'll just sure. wrap this podcast up with a few results I wanted to speak about. Well, was uh, oh sorry, was it this one? One of them? Yes. So that's right. So yeah, we can go to this one. So one of them was Davidic Fakina going out convincingly six two six two. I had him going far. He is was very good at Monte Carlo last year. He lost, 
He was the finalist last year and he's going to drop 600 points and leave the top 35. <laughs> he's a yo-yo tennis player. I think he will come good in certain events, but this year it just did not come together for him. It was Snap a tough it. draw because having Hachanov, Hachanov now though can go for a few rounds. So yeah, that's all I want to say about that one. That was savage though. I'm sorry, like to lose all those points. <laughs> that's a fall from, that's Casper Rude from Miami again. Look, they, it's happened again, but just to somebody slightly different. And Hatchanov in the next round, he will be playing. Da, 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 da. Just find that one out for you. Why can't I see? Oh, I Ivashka. So another winnable match for him. Yeah, so going back to the results. Sure. So what I wanted to speak about was, so we've Snake. got Shelton who went out to Dimitrov. Snake was an amazing comeback against Ugo Umber as well. Yeah. Saved my bracket. <laughs> I want to go to her catch, Ben. Where is it? Yeah, I mean, we can bring up the tweet for her catch because this one's sure the one that she wanted to speak about. Yeah, so her catch beat Draper. I thought Draper might win, but her catch seems to just keep getting it done. And I've never seen a player play so many tie breaks. <laughs> 24 yeah. matches, 26 tie breaks in 2023. And he even tweeted a tweet. I don't know if you've got it. I don't think I sent it to you, but he just wrote a tweet saying how uh, he was happy there was only one tie break. Usually there's more. He was like, a free set match of only one tie break. How many has he won out of the 26? I'd be interested. He's won a lot of them. I think he's got a good yeah. tie break record as well. Her catch just seems to be someone who's always going to get a tie break right now. Yeah, he's uh, not a, not a player you want to play in a tie break. He's got a massive serve and that one-two punch as well is really good from him. I'm really impressed uh, how Draper came back and battled, got that second set. But unfortunately... The clay as well. He left it literally just to the last minute, her catch, to get the break. It was literally in the last game there. I thought was Draper was going to win, so I was a little bit disappointed. But I was can't, hoping can't blame would. him. Draper did well. Yeah, fantastic performance. performance. Um, uh, back to the results, just so you can have a quick yeah. look. And the last through. one I want to wrap up with is Bublik Zverev. I think that was yesterday's. Oh, no, it's there. Sorry. Apologies. There it it's is. Right there. No, it was today because I remember watching a little bit and Zverev fell one. over in dur during the match and everyone just stopped. Like, oh, gosh, it's happening again from <laughs> Roland Garros. He laid on the floor, but it was just a little trip and he was up. He was playing okay. I think this was in the second set when he was free love up, if I remember correctly. Uh, he'd lost the right. first set already. Um, but no, got the business done. I think that's his first win on clay since Roland Garros. So it's important yeah. for him to get that momentum going on the clay courts. He looked brilliant on the clay courts last year. And Zverev had a lot of nice things to say about Bublik, saying how he is a very good player. And he was also talking about how the media... Um, criticise him a lot but he said he was a very intelligent player I can't remember the exact words he used but he had a lot of nice things to say about Bublik's game and he found it a very challenging task to beat him especially when he pulls out underarm aces like this one yeah like yeah this <laughs> <laughs> there it goes it's an interesting one wasn't it I mean uh he didn't even look. That's the one thing that always shocks me with Bublik is he doesn't even look up. He just is bouncing the ball and just chops it just quickly. It's very, but so so far back. There was just no 
No chance. Can I do it again quickly? I probably Some wouldn't. Uh, all right. Oh. No, you can do, but I'm just maybe go. leaving. Anyway. Yeah. Well, <laughs> anyway, you didn't see that, <laughs> but I thought that was really interesting that he was able to do that uh, shot. Obviously, Zverev stands very far back, but he did serve up ten double faults uh, in uh, today's match, which a little bit disappointing. Seven of them in the second set, and. A lot of unforced errors. That was the main difference between the two players. Zverev only nine unforced errors in the whole match and Bublik with uh, 29, but still more winners, 37 winners. So that's probably why Zverev was giving him high praise. He was still playing a very high level, just had a few too many of the unforced errors and the double faults. In the... Yeah, and there we go. That is our Monte Carlo Masters roundup from day one action or day two action, as you can say. Uh, we will be seeing round two tomorrow, some more matches. Hopefully we can cover a, a watch along. I'm not sure if me and Ben are going to be available, but we will definitely be available for Thursday and Friday, and of course the weekend too. Uh, so stay tuned on the channel. Hit that like button, subscribe if you're new, and the bell notification to know when we go live. And like Ben said at the beginning of the video, we will be doing a new series of podcasts called The Countdown, leading up to Roland Garros, giving all of our thoughts about the event. And yeah, I think it should be a lot of fun. So please join us for that. And nothing left more to say from me. No, neither from, uh, from me, other than I'm just happy to see Novak Djokovic back on the clay, back to winning ways. Come on, Novak, get that 39th Masters. See you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.